there's been a few very interesting developments in various tribunals in the past week or so. All right. We got smoking has been dealt with in Queensland in a very interesting way. There's also been an instruction about the two hard basket. I think we're seeing the death of the two hard basket. Surely not. Well, you never know. And I mean, that rules supreme in Strata, really. <laughs> and in New South Wales, a very strange decision from a tribunal about a no pets bylaw, where an adjudicator decided not to overturn a no pets bylaw for a very strange reason. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for domain. And this is the flat chat wrap. Up in Queensland, they like their personal freedoms. They certainly do. And there's been a tribunal decision which reminds people that they have personal responsibilities as well when it comes to living in apartments there. Oh, yeah. Tell us about it. So a woman, and this started back in last January, complained about the neighbour below her who was constantly smoking on her balcony. All right. And she was saying, well, this interferes with my right you know, to have the peaceful enjoyment and it's a health hazard and it's a nuisance. Mm, that would be horrible. Absolutely. And she claimed the woman was a chain smoker, which is not strictly correct because to me, a chain smoker is somebody who lights the next cigarette with the end of their previous one. Well, that's a very literal definition. <laughs> I mean, there have been lots of chain smokers, but there's not many people who do that because you'd get through how many thousands of dollars a day? Oh, these that's days? true. The way the cost of cigarettes. Uh, I'm going back in time. I've, it's been a while since I've seen anybody doing that, <laughs> i got to say. I reckon a chain smoker these days would be somebody who smokes 20 a day. In the old days, really? it would have been 40 a day. But now I reckon 20 a day, you could say, was a chain smoker. It's not that long ago that the health minister in South Africa said that smoking 20 cigarettes a day was a healthy amount of <laughs> smoking. <laughs> How times have changed. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so this lady was a heavy smoker and possibly, by your definition, a chain smoker. She was smoking four or five, three or four or five cigarettes in an hour. Mm, that's right. a lot. Okay. Yeah. So the, the woman upstairs said, look, we've got a bylaw in, on smoking and saying that you're not allowed to create... A nuisance or a hazard or uh, interfere unreasonably with the use or enjoyment of another lot, that one. Yeah, by smoking on your balcony. So this is a bylaw specific to this strata scheme, this, this body corporate in Queensland. Uh, it's The building is called the Artique and it's in Surfer's Paradise. So... She went to the body corporate committee and said, look, this woman downstairs is smoking all the time and it's coming into my apartment. I have to shut my doors and windows and I feel suffocated. It's a hazard. It's a health hazard. It's a nuisance. And it's in breach of the bylaws. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. So the body corporate committee said, we are not equipped to decide whether this is a breach of the bylaws or not. But we've sent the woman a copy of the bylaw. Mm. to let her decide whether she is creating a nuisance or a hazard. <laughs> no. I can guess the outcome of that. The downstairs neighbours said she had a she believed she had a right to smoke on her property and she would continue to assert that right. 
She said the bylaws were not the law and she was not hurting anyone and she was not doing anything wrong and could smoke anywhere on her property that she wanted. She said she couldn't help where the wind blew and that she got cigarette smoke, marijuana smoke, barbecue smoke, strong perfume smells, cooking smells and other smells entering her lot. So she should be keen to have that bylaw enforced then. And she objected to being dictated to as to what she could do in her own home. And she claimed she had a disability that prevented her from going down to the designated smoking area in the apartment block. Designated smoking area? Yes. Well, this is a thing. It's a new thing. Um, it's something that's come into the strata laws in New South Wales even since they brought in the, the smoke drift regulations in New South Wales. Owners' corporations have been allowed to designate an area where people can go and smoke, provided the smoke doesn't drift into apartments from there. Well, so it's got to be a part of a common area, um, closed off, so that the smoke can't escape. Because, generally speaking, you cannot have smoking on common areas. That's bizarre, isn't it? So could a smoker demand that her body corporate actually introduce a smoking area? Um, or has it not really been tested yet? It's not really been tested as far as I know. But, you know, there's like so many complications with this. You've got the general rule that you can't smoke on common property. You've also got health and safety issues, like a concern that people could come and say, I wouldn't have smoked if you hadn't created a, <laughs> a smoking area and now I've got lung cancer. And also cleaners going in there to clean it. Yeah. You know, yeah. the dangers to them. But we've all seen them in airports, you know. Remember oh, when we horrible, used to, yeah, those mm. boxes. You didn't actually have to light up a cigarette. You just Walked went in, in there, there and breathed <laughs> for a while. So there was a designated smoking area and she had a disability that prevented her from using it. The outcome was quite interesting because, well, this is something that puzzles me. The adjudicator said it did not meet the legal definition of nuisance, which I... Confused about what the legal definition of nuisance is. What worse nuisance can you have than something that might affect your health, really? Apparently, nuisance doesn't mean something that's annoying. Or affects your health. Or affects your health. Maybe a lawyer listening to this will write to the forum and tell us what nuisance is. However, and this was the breakthrough in Queensland... He said, sorry, she said, it was a female adjudicator, she said there was no question that it was a hazard. Mm. It has been proven that passive smoking damages the health of other people. That's why we have smoke-free restaurants and pubs now and things like that. So in that case, it not only breached Section 167 of the uh, Body Corporate Management Act in Queensland, it also breached their own bylaw. Mm. Um, and so the owner, the smoker, has been told to smoke inside her flat, but she doesn't have to keep the windows shut, provided the smoke that escapes through the windows doesn't go into another apartment. Ah. Which sounds kind of a bit tricky. I mean, it is a compromise, but, you know, it's quite hard for somebody to smoke in their apartment and never open the windows, really. Well, the one And of the- hopefully, you know, smoking on a balcony, you get a lot more smoke drift than you would you know, through a window. Yeah. Yeah. But the one of the uh, people supporting the upstairs neighbour's submission said that the only reason the downstairs neighbour smoked on her balcony was because she didn't want to stink up her her own home. (laughs) So just stink up other people's. Yeah. Mm. 
Mm. Which is why people close their balcony doors when they have their barbecue smoke going. Mm. So, so could this be applicable to other states, really? You know, other people who have problems in New South Wales or Victoria with people smoking on their balconies and the smoke drifting up? I mean, the smoke drift hazard from smoke drift or nuisance from smoke drift has been written into the New South Wales laws. I haven't heard of any cases in New South Wales where somebody's been found to be in breach of the the act but it does allow for the creation of bylaws to restrict smoke drift mm. so first of all i think you've got to have the bylaws then you've got to have somebody complaining about it then you've got to get it to to a tribunal i mean there could be for all we know thousands of buildings that have introduced a smoke drift bylaw who have had a complaint from a neighbor I've told the people who are smoking they've got to stop doing it, and it's just been dealt with that way. Mm, sure. You don't get that many people who are saying things like, you know, I'm a sovereign citizen and <laughs> bylaws don't apply to me. In which case you shouldn't live in apartments. Absolutely. Mm. That's a good piece of advice. If yeah. you think you are a sovereign citizen and then the laws generally don't apply to you, <laughs> don't live in an apartment. Certainly mm. don't live in an apartment near us. And go and live in the country in a house, perhaps. Because do you remember we had a friend who lived next door in an apartment to a man who lived somewhere else, but he just rented his apartment because his wife didn't like the smell of his cigar smoke. Yeah. So he rented the apartment in another building to use as his smoking room. Yeah. And unfortunately, he would leave his front door open so the cigar smoke, and I hate the smell of cigar smoke, I think it's horrible, would drift into everybody else's apartments as soon as they opened their door. And that was that was just awful. In the end, um, our friend left that building because he couldn't stand it anymore. But that was a, there was also a case there that by opening his door to let the smoke blow through, because that's why he was opening the mm. door, was in breach of bylaws because he was then allowing smoke to go on to common property. Mm. If our friend had wanted to cause trouble... Or if our friend hadn't not wanted to cause trouble, <laughs> he could have complained to the committee and they would have had to have dealt with mm. with this person. Yeah. But our friend basically he just wanted a peaceful life and that involves mm. not being involved in strife with your neighbours. Mm. And if your neighbour happens to be somebody who's totally selfish, yeah. then maybe your only option is to go and move mm. and rent somewhere else. Sure. So, um, It's and- a shame because, I mean, there, there seems to be far fewer smokers around now. The number of times I've seen somebody smoking in the street, you know, in the last few months were negligible. I mean, occasionally mm. you see somebody with um, an electric cigarette now, mm. but you just don't see people smoking very much anymore. It's interesting that New Zealand is bringing in a law that I have said every country should have, which doesn't impinge on people's personal freedoms at all. It just says anybody born after a certain date cannot buy cigarettes. Mm. So you say, right, all the 16-year-olds, I guess, in New Zealand right now can buy cigarettes if they want. 15-year-olds can't. Mm. So from there, from January 1st, 2008, if you're born after that date, you Mm. cannot buy cigarettes. It's not impinging on anybody's freedoms because they're not, they don't have that freedom. It hasn't been taken away from them because they've never had it. They've never had it. That's quite interesting, isn't it? So... And and what the re- in real terms, you know that you get the the spotty eighteen year old going in to buy cigarettes, and this the tobacconist going, oh really, I'm not sure about this guy. 
But if in five years' time it's a spotty 18-year-old who would really need to be 23, Mm. then they can go, you're just way too young. I need to see proof of your age and Mm. all the rest of it. So basically, 25 years' time, New Zealand will be a smoke-free country. Yeah, you'd hope so. All the smokers will have died out and and they they won't have been replaced by younger people. There might be a black market for cigarettes. And I'm sure that will happen, still happen, but... People will be coming to Australia for a quick smoke. <laughs> Great. I'm nipping, nipping over to Australia for a ciggy. Uh, anyway, so that was that, and the smoker has been told to smoke inside. Mm. Oh, you asked the question, would this affect other states? Mm. I think adjudicators, in fact, in this specific case, the adjudicator looked at a case in New South Wales and said, basically, there has been not so much a precedent, but a previous decision, a relevant decision about what constitutes a hazard. So other states can now look at Queensland and say it has been decided at a very high level that mm. this that smoke drift is a hazard. So that just piles on the next time somebody takes that. And I think the next cab off the rank will be Victoria because they've just changed their laws to allow owners' corporations to create bylaws to deal with smoke drift. But, and we're going to talk about this after we take a short break, and that is the adjudicator said that the body corporate committee did not have the right to not deal with the problem. Mm. And I'm calling this the death of the too hard basket. (laughs) So what is this death of the too hard basket? Okay, in this decision, if you recall, the body corporate committee at the Artique building said that they were not equipped to decide whether or not their bylaw had been Mm. breached. And the adjudicator said, you can't just do that. You've got a bylaw and you've got to, you've got to deal with it. it. Yeah. Mm. And if you are unsure about whether or not a breach has occurred, then you should ask for advice and opinions so that you've got something to go with. You cannot just turn around and say, nah, it's too hard. This is a dispute between two neighbours, which is what they said. Mm. So, and that's a kind of precedent as well for other uh, states, because that's the thing that a lot of people hide behind. A lot of strata committees, certainly in New South Wales and Victoria, say, ah, this is between two neighbours. Even though there's a clear bylaw, they'll say, no, it's, it's a dispute between two neighbours, so we're not getting involved. And as we have said many, many, many times in Flat Chat and especially on the forum, there is an obligation. Mm-hmm. It's not spelt out in so many words, but there is an obligation in the Act for owners' corporations to enforce their bylaws. So you can't just say, this is too hard. Mm. It's interesting in Victoria, where they've changed the laws there, it's weird. You know, you go on these websites, there's these government websites, they just don't update them often enough. The one in Victoria, the Consumer Affairs website, says that owners' corporations can create a model bylaw. That's the word they use, a model bylaw to deal with smoke drift. A model bylaw is something that's created by the government. For them. For them. For them to use or not use or adapt or whatever. So they just use, they use this, casually use this terminology, the model bylaw. And not really understand the implications or anything. Except the implication is that people in 
strata are going, what, how can we create a model bylaw? Because mm. a model bylaw should apply to everybody. Mm. The other thing is, so there is no model bylaw that I can find in the Victorian model bylaws, but there is the opportunity created by legislation that came in last month for owners corporation to create a bylaw. And the other thing that interesting in Victoria, and this applies in New South Wales as well, if your bylaws don't address an issue that is addressed in the model bylaws for your state, Mm. And again, the model bylaws are the ones that fair trading or consumer affairs in Victoria send out in the laws, in the regulations. If you don't cover an issue that's covered in the model bylaws, then if that issue comes up, the model bylaw pertains automatically. Right. So even though so you, you can't don't just have that, it. yeah. yeah. Mm. So you might not have a pet bylaw and decide, let's, that's too just tricky. Let's not even the go covers. there. Yeah. Yep. So then the model bylaw comes in. If somebody says I'm allowed or not allowed or whatever, Mm. the model bylaw kicks in and that covers smoking as well. But I still to find the model bylaw that Victoria says it's got. (laughs) Mm. Spent hours going through websites and discovering Mm. that they're contradictory, Mm. um, as we discussed last week, about Airbnb. Mm. And on that note... Yeah. I've been involved in a fairly heated discussion with planning and fair trading because I said last week that they contradicted each other. Yeah. So let's wind this back a bit. In New South Wales, in Greater Sydney, you can create a bylaw in your apartment block that says you don't want short-term lets, holiday lets. Yeah. One of the ways to get around that is for owners or tenants to say, This is my principal place of residence. I live here most of the time. So I can let it out when I'm not here. So that's gets around the, the bylaw that may exist in the building. However, they don't define what principal place of residence is. They don't define what a temporary absence is. So theoretically, any definition that I found says principal place of residence is where you sleep, where you keep your stuff most of the time. So you could have somebody who stays in their apartment 27 weeks a year and lets it out for 25 weeks a year. Mm. Or more realistically, somebody who stays in their apartment four or five nights a week and then lets it out weekends, which is when Airbnb lets are most common. So I'd said, okay, that's what fair trading say. Planning New South Wales says that a hosted let means that the owner or tenant, the resident, has to be there. Physically. Physically, while their guests are there. Yeah. And I'm saying these two are contradictory. Yeah. And they're arguing that it's not? They're saying it's not. How do they make that out? Because they have defined the two things as hosted and unhosted. That's when you just rent Mm. the whole house or the whole apartment. Mm. And hosted is where you say, come and have a room in my apartment. Yeah. They don't even address principal place of residence. Mm. So there's either a contradiction or there are three categories. Yeah. And principal place of residence is a new category I think they probably need to define. Mm. But they've got to say, well, how many nights a year? Because under the, the current law, you can let your apartment or your house in Greater Sydney for 180 nights a year. Mm. So how many nights a year can you let uh, somewhere that you call your principal place of residence? Mm. Oh, interesting. 
And I think as well, last time you 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 were looking at listings on the Airbnb site. Oh yeah, and you. I found a couple that said they were exempt. They didn't have the registration number. Yeah. So currently in New South Wales, anybody who is renting on a holiday letting website has to register the property, and they get a registration number. And if that registration number isn't attached to their property, then the letting platforms like Airbnb and Stays are supposed to not list them. Mm. So there I went. And you discovered a lots of them had exempt on. Yeah. They had no registration number, but they had exempt. The first three I looked at, just at yeah. random, in Sydney. So you were checking out what does exempt mean? Yeah. So interestingly, planning New South Wales said there are no exemptions, okay? Mm-hmm. So there couldn't be any that said they were exempt. Mm. And then I discovered that if your property is in a building which has permission to be a short-term let building or serviced apartments or um, apartment-style hotel accommodation, then it is exempt. Oh. But these properties I looked at were not in hotels or short-term letting uh, commercial buildings. Somebody had just decided that they were exempt. And it's really funny because I went, back to look for them again and they've either got they've either got registration numbers or they've been taken down ah so so that was obviously a bit of a maybe perhaps a bit of a scam that people just tried yeah yeah they were just they you know the thing about airbnb especially is they are all about the host they are all about helping the host get maximum profit for the very simple reason that the more more they make, the more Airbnb makes. Mm. It's as simple as that. Their second consideration is the guests. Way down the list are the neighbours who probably don't Mm. even feature on the Airbnb radar at all. So if you go to Airbnb and say, hey, I'm an exempt building, they'll go, all right, great. Mm. We're not going to send somebody around and check. No. We're not going to ask you for your credentials to prove that you're exempt. Mm. So you just say, hey, we're exempt. They go, right, we'll put you through as exempt. Mm. So then some annoying journalist comes along and says, really? How can you possibly be exempt when you are an apartment in a luxury block in Cremorne? Mm. Yep. How can that be exempt? And they've gone, oh, right, we're not exempt. We've got. We just made a mistake. We made a mistake. <laughs> That's interesting. Well done, Jimmy. You sorted yeah, but, it out. But then planning New South Wales are saying there's no such thing as exempt. Well, mm. yes, there is, guys. You, the definition is there. It's very confusing. <laughs> yes, it's a bit of a muddle, isn't it, really? It's a big muddle. Mm. Right, that's enough. I don't want to talk about Airbnb or planning or anybody else anymore. I want to talk about weird decisions on pet bylaws. <laughs> and we're going to do that after this. So just when you thought it was safe to have a dog or a cat in an apartment, there's something even weirder happens. What is it? Well, it kind of is still safe to have a dog or a cat in an apartment, but cannot preempt, according to a recent tribunal decision, you cannot preempt the decision of your committee to reject your dog or cat. And look, my head might explode halfway through this. Yes, I didn't understand that at all. So somebody went to tribunal and said, my building has a bylaw that says you may not have a dog or cat in this building. Can you please, Mr. Tribunal person, rescind that bylaw because it conflicts with section 137B of the Act, 
which says a building may not have a blanket okay. restriction. So on you'd pets. expect the tribunal immediately to repeal that bylaw, wouldn't you, really? Yeah. But obviously they didn't. They did not. And the reason they said was there was no actual cat or dog involved in this. Nobody had a, a pet. Yeah, so they didn't really have a grievance because they hadn't been refused to have a pet. That's ridiculous. So what I mean, they, people are not buying pets because they think they might not be allowed in or yeah. adopting pets. I mean, so basically what this decision is saying is get your pet in. Fall in love with it. Fall in love with it. Have your... Train it. Spend yeah. a lot of money on accessories. And then when your owner's corporation starts sending you breach notices, then come to us and go through all this crap. How ridiculous. Because what what if you lose? Are they saying then, oh, no, I'm afraid you just have to get rid of your, your beloved pet? Mm. It's interesting. Last week we were talking about um, another decision up in Queensland, the gist of which I can't recall. But at the end of it, the adjudicator there ordered the owner's corporation to change their bylaw. And our strata law allows adjudicators at NCAT to order bylaws to be changed or rescinded. Why can they not say, look, this is in, this is in contravention of the law. It's causing strife. It's causing a lot of grief. Maybe that building might want to restrict the kind of dogs or cats or whatever, or, you know, put some provisions in there that, you know, they, they're not allowed to go on a common property or things like that. Instead, they've got a bylaw that if it was challenged would probably be overturned. But first you've got to have a dog or a cat. We should start a service where we rent our cats out to people. So then they can go to a tribunal. Yeah. <laughs> but rent isn't a cat. it bizarre? Like, you know, you can have a building bylaw about preventing fire, the risk of fire. Hmm. But nobody would say, well, we can't have that bylaw because we don't actually have a fire going on at the moment. Right. It's ridiculous. Oh, it is. I mean, and it's the kind of thing I think that brings NCAT into disrepute mm, yeah. because people are just shaking their heads because the gist of it was if there was a pet involved, we would overturn this bylaw, but there isn't, so we won't. It sounds like the two hard basket, doesn't it, Jimmy? NCAT has its own two hard basket, <laughs> I'm thinking. And, you know, it's part of the the, the uh tribunal laws in New South Wales, you're not allowed to criticise tribunal decisions publicly. <gasps> yeah. Really? Yep. The police will be around any minute. <laughs> and on that note, before we go into hiding, um, <laughs> thank you again for listening. And Sue, thank you for taking part. Pleasure, Jimmy. We'll talk to you all again soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Wrap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.